Welcome everybody to your topic in focus. This month's topic is mindfulness meditation, and this week's episode has a special coronavirus component. But we are going to start out like we always do with the quote from the positive hairstylist Carly Rowe. Hi guys, this week's quote is by Maya Angelou, and it says, you may not control all the events that happen to you, but you can decide not to be reduced by them. Okay, beautiful. And what does that quote mean to you? I feel like this is a really simple one this week, but so appropriate because we can't control what's happening to us in the sense of this virus and this outbreak and all of this stuff. What we we can, I'm going to backtrack a little bit, we can control it in a sense of if we are listening to healthcare professionals and um, directions by, you know, our government and other things, we can help control it in a, in a sense, but we can't control that it's happening in general. We can't control um, what it has done so far, but we can control how we internalize it. And um, like she said in the quote, we're not to be reduced by it. So staying calm, staying mindful. And um, that's what I got from it. Yeah, I agree. There's, it's sort of like you can use the coronavirus as like a parallel to just life in general. There Absolutely. are things that you can control and then there are aspects that you can't control. And if you're always focusing on the aspects that you can't control, then you're going to panic and freak out and all of that, right? And so that really ties into the lessons from mindfulness and that it teaches you to just still your mind, quiet your mind. If there are aspects of things that are out of your control, then you can sit in silence and breathe and just sort of regulate yourself, ground yourself, center yourself so that you're not constantly focusing on these things that you have no ability to do anything about, right? So it's the beginning of week three. We've gone through two weeks. How has the experience been for you so far? <laughs> it's been um, both good and uh, challenging, to say the least. It's been very challenging What's for it me. good for you? It's been good because it's giving me something new to practice. It's been good also because it's bringing to light how much I need it. Um, and it's been good in a sense of I feel like it's getting my mind a little bit of discipline training almost. I don't know if that's the yeah. correct word, but yeah. Um, yeah. And then there's many reasons it's been challenging. <laughs> so uh, one of the things I think that the reasons that it's been challenging sort of tied into the second thing you said is that it's teaching you kind of how much you need it. Yeah. And you're seeing that through some of the challenge maybe. Absolutely. Yeah. So you earlier today, you came in here, you sat down, you tried to do it on the biofeedback program and it did not go that well for you. No, it didn't. And that wasn't necessarily the first time that it didn't go that well for me. It's crazy that we have this component that we can physically see how we're doing. So I don't know if I were to take that away, if maybe I would think that I was doing better. Um, but do you watch the thing while you're doing it or do you close your eyes? I do not. I close my eyes. Okay. But I kind of peaked a couple times today, which might have enhanced me not doing so hot on it. Yeah. It's kind of like when you see that you're not doing well, then it stirs up a little more panic kind I of in you. I think so. Even if I don't try, I think There's it's just pressure. subconsciously doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's kind of like I got a little curious because I would yawn or like accidentally scratch an itch or something like that and kind of lose focus. And so I'd peek open and see like, peek my eyes open and see what it did. Yeah. So you were saying 
that like right before it too, you were getting kind of frustrated. Like, I don't want to do this thing. And why do I have to sit here and do this? And you were also getting yourself riled up because I said I went for 10 minutes. And then you were like, I'm going to go for 15 minutes and be better than you. (laughs) I just got a little competitive streak. Also, I I know in my head that I haven't been um, the most positive person during this while doing it yeah the positive hairstylist hasn't been so positive about it yeah (laughs) hey that's the real talk though and but you notice yourself in those spaces with that sort of back and forth because you were saying to me too that you notice yourself starting to get kind of frustrated and how long have I been doing this and you know the the frustrations are building and then you noticed yourself also trying to pull yourself back to okay I can just sit here and breathe and chill out right? Like you're, are you starting to notice a little bit more of this interplay between how your thoughts are affecting you in the current moment? Absolutely. Yeah. That's been a huge part of it for me. Yeah. And that's a positive part of it too, even though it's frustrating and it's, you know, not perfect and all of that. It's part of the learning curve for me so far. Right. I mean, this is the thing with any discipline that you learn, right? Is that it's not easy to come by in the beginning and then most of the time, the discomfort causes people to just give up and not push through. So you never actually get to see that you do get better at it yeah. or that it does have some benefits. And I think that's why we chose 30 days for these things, because you really do need a significant amount of time to actually build up and learn the lessons from it and all that. Absolutely. And like you said, to build the habit, because if I were to do it in a week, um, I will openly admit I missed a couple days because I was sliding by, you did it, I'm sure in the day, you do breath work, you do all kinds of stuff alone. But I was like, oh, he's not saying something I can get away with not doing it. Yeah. And there were a couple of days where I completely forgot. And so you're speaking of habit, like to get in the habit. And this has been my experience with how habits work too, is that you might be really gung-ho in the beginning, but our brains just sort of fall back into the default space. And you just forget that it was even a habit you were trying to build. Right. Yeah. So there were like a couple, maybe two or three days this week that we didn't eat dinner until like eight or nine o'clock. And then we go to go lay down and I'm like, oh, we've got to do the meditation. And two days, I think I straight just forgot to. And then one day I just didn't want to remind you because I just didn't want to deal with the (laughs) hassle of reminding you and having to like drag you into the other room and make you do your meditation because that's not a good start for any meditation. So, but it's good. We, so we, fell off for a little bit. And then we reminded ourselves, okay, we've got to get back on it. Today, you said you'll try to do it during the day more often. I think a huge part of part of this whole thing for me too has been sticking with it, even if you fall off for a couple of days, like just not saying, you know, F it all, we mess the whole thing up and we can't continue just because I forgot two days or whatever. So that's been kind of part of the ever uh, everlasting persistence practice that I've been trying to do over the past few years. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a big lesson for anybody really too. If people have a tendency to be making progress towards something and then you slip a little bit and then it's just kind of like, well, screw it. The wheels are off. Let's just go to town on it. I mean, working with a lot of people with substance use disorders and things too, it's like people have a little slip and they think they've lost all their time and then they just go, you know what? I'm just going to go balls to the wall and yeah. Instead of just like, okay, it was just a little slip. What did I learn from it? Let's move forward. Yeah. And the moving forward part is the big part, obviously. Right. That's a great, I love that. Okay. So the other component, and this episode will be a little bit longer, right? But I just wanted to talk about the coronavirus situation and how it ties into this because it's sort of perfect timing for this. And one thing I just wanted to address too is, so coronavirus, not the proper 
name for it. I actually was reading today that the actual virus is called SARS-CoV-2, SARS-CoV-2. And the disease it gives you is COVID-19. So it's sort of like HIV is the virus, AIDS is the disease, right? But everybody's calling it all different sorts of names and whatever. That's not important. The other thing I want to say is this is not us trying to talk about we're not medical professionals trying to right. talk about what we know about this thing. We're just trying to tie it into the thing that we're doing because a lot of themes sort of relate to this, right? Yeah. Namely, panic, anxiety. I want to talk about how meditation, mindfulness helps the immune system and how panic and anxiety suppress the immune system. And so a guy that I absolutely love that I've talked to you multiple times over the years, I looked him up today to see if he had written anything about this because they thought he might. And he had two days ago. Name is Robert Sapolsky, and he is a Dr. Robert Sapolsky. He's a um, human behavioral biologist that teaches at Stanford, and he has like all these lectures online. The guy's awesome. He wrote a book that I read a while ago called Why Zebras Don't Get Ulcers, and a lot of it talks about this like fight or flight stress response and all this stuff. And so, like, part of the thing is we are we have this evolutionary system built into us right that was meant for you're uh, there's a direct threat happening and you're under attack and your body needs to sort of optimize all the resources available so you perceive the threat it's coming at you you either fight or you run but your body shuts down a lot of systems and it shuts down your digestion and your like reproductive systems and a bunch of other stuff and then it mobilizes so it pumps like glucose to your thighs so you can run and it does a bunch of crazy stuff, right? And one of them is initially it enhances your immune system. So within like the first 30 minutes I was reading, your immune system gets a bit of a boost because it needs the resources to fight off whatever's about to happen or to deal with what's going to happen. But then you run you're you're a zebra on the plains and you're getting away from a lion, you get away from the lion, you sit down you reset and you go back into that rest and digest from that explosive burst of energy and all that other stuff, right? We don't do that. We're not actually under direct threats all the time like that. So we don't have the system to actually like slow down and shut off and go back to that rest and digest place. And so what happens is that first half an hour within that window, he's saying like you get an immune boost beyond an hour, your body starts releasing other hormones and chemicals to sort of start suppressing the immune system because what it's doing is trying to bring the immune system back to baseline. But if you keep that on beyond hour or whatever, or if you're stressing every single day about something that you can't control to tie it back to the quote at the beginning and all of that, you're actually bringing your immune system below baseline. And so you're, you're weakening your immune system and you're putting yourself more vulnerable to attack from foreign invaders, I guess, if you want to say, right? And just a side note, what's interesting is like, well, why wouldn't you just want the enhanced immune system all the time? But that's what causes like autoimmune diseases when your immune system is functioning so much that now it starts attacking parts of your body uh, because it is operating at too high. I don't know. I'm not a medical professional again. If anyone could see my face right now as he's saying this, because we he did not tell me any of this before. I've heard bits and pieces about the immune system and such, but my eyes are just getting like wide looking at him. And <laughs> I'm probably he's probably fighting from laughing at me because I'm just like dumbfounded. So just wanted to paint a picture. So super interesting, right? And yeah. some quotes that I read from the article I was reading. So he's, 
this is interesting. Typically, we feel stressed and become more at risk for stress-related diseases if we lack control, predictability, outlets for our frustrations, or social support. And in this time, when we need social support the most, the crucially important catchphrase has become social distancing. Wow. So one of our main outlets for actually getting support in times of stress, being around people, getting social support, we can't necessarily have as much right now, right? So it makes it even more important to find other avenues of reducing stress, right? So another thing that I thought was interesting is he says, during prolonged stress, glucocorticoids, a class of stress hormones, causes the prefrontal cortex to become sluggish, less capable of sending a let's not do something hasty signal to the amygdala. And the amygdala is like the fear center of your brain. Meanwhile, those same stress hormones make the amygdala more active, dominating the prefrontal cortex in its decision-making process. What, what he's basically saying is like, when you're in this state of panic too, you start making poor decisions and panicking and starting to freak out and buying up all the toilet paper, all the <laughs> reserves or whatever. And not to, to dismiss this and say that yeah. like people shouldn't be prepared, but there's a, there's a panic that's overriding a lot of it too, right? We need to be cautious and take precautions, but we also need to be able to regulate ourselves to like make sure that we're grounded and making informed Right. healthy decisions, right? And it, leaving resources for others too and sense of community. Yeah. And not like running into a store that's full of 150 people in one line all at the same time when we're all supposed to be like sort of spacing out. Anyway, we're, we're digressing yeah. into like all of that. So this is the other thing. So panic, anxiety, right? Meditation helps calm racing thoughts. It helps ground you. It helps keep you centered. We know that it can help boost the immune system. There's actually research that shows that I read something that was a study that said they did like a 48 or an eight week thing with 48 people and that the control group was the people that didn't meditate and then the other group meditated, right? And the people who meditated for eight weeks had more antibodies in their system after and even before they had more antibodies than even before when they started. So it increases your immune system and helps you, right? It, it takes you out of that sympathetic nervous system place, which is the fight or flight place, puts you back into the parasympathetic rest and digest place. So the last little thing on my soapbox that I'm going to say here too <laughs> is a quote that, he, so he said, there are unpalatable social changes as, as well when we are stressed. We're more likely to deal with frustration using a solution entrenched among primates, which he, he does a lot of study with baboons, like on the plains of Africa or something like that. And so uh, we're likely to deal with the frustration using a solution entrenched among primates, taking it out on someone smaller. We are more likely to perceive neutral stimuli as threatening and individuals prone towards aggression become even more so. And in our decision, uh, and our decision-making narrows in another sense, and that we contract our circle of who counts as us and who merits empathy and consideration. Our moral decisions become more egoistic. So I wanted to talk about this in a sense of compassion, right? Like there's a lot of people making jokes or thinking I'm healthy. What the hell does it matter? Whatever. Right. But we're sort of losing some of the space too of like, this could affect somebody that you care about. Stop just thinking about just yourself. So to tie that into, and the, and the last thing, just to wrap this up, meditation, mindfulness practices have been shown to increase empathy and compassion. And there's also a specific meditation practice called um, loving kindness meditation. 
And it's basically like a specific type of meditation where you focus on benevolence, like doing good, giving out kindness. So you focus on bringing in kindness and compassion to yourself, or you actually focus like a direct focus on giving out this compassion. And you, so you target other people and you think about giving. I don't know the exact specifics. I used to actually do this a long time ago. There's a, I'll put a link up to it actually to this verywellmind.com um, thing, but there's a very specific way to go about it, but it's actually shown when they, when they do brain scans on people and stuff and you do this loving kindness meditation, there's like an area of your brain that can light up even more that shows that you're developing compassion, all that. So just I thought, love that. yeah, just super important in all of this, right? Like calm yourself, make better decisions, reduce the stress so that the immune system gets better. Also, in those states of panic and all of that, we tend to lose a lot of compassion for those around us. So if we can get grounded, center, we develop a little more empathy, especially in this time right now where it's super stressful and scary for a lot of people. And like, you know, some people aren't thinking that it's warranting the panic and all of that. But either way, there's an aspect that we cannot control and there's aspects that we can we can control our compassion towards others. We can control ourselves a little bit and how we react. And then we can keep ourselves grounded as we're moving into the unknown of whatever is going to come next with this thing, you know? So thank you for sitting there and listening to me. I loved that. I think that's so important. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. Just really wanted to get on the soapbox there for a minute. No, it's so important, like in all aspects of life, not just this time. Right. So I loved so, that. Yeah. Like all, like you said, that was perfect way to wrap it up is that this stuff just parallels every aspect of life. So, all right. This has been your topic in focus. Mm-hmm.